How do I know what I think until I see what I say? The Green Notebook, carried by military leaders around the world. Within those pages are sweat, tears, triumphs, and the hard-won lessons of life. Lessons worth sharing. Each week, the team dives into the notebooks of military leaders, business professionals, authors, athletes and coaches, and entertainers to share lessons and help you lead with the best version of yourself. Hey, it's Joe here, and every morning before I crack open a book or sit down to do some writing, the first thing I do is brew an amazing cup of Alpha Coffee. They make premium 100% Arabica coffee, and Alpha has some of my favorite blends. They have Dawn Patrol, which is a nice medium light breakfast blend. I also enjoy Charlie Don't Surf, which is a medium Kona blend. And I even get to take Alpha Coffee to work with me because they also make K-Cups. Not only do they have great coffee... They're a great veteran-owned business who has shipped over 20,000 bags of coffee to deploy troops. They also offer a 10% discount to members of the military and first responders. And Alpha Coffee has been an awesome company to partner with at From the Green Notebook. So taste the Alpha difference and purchase their coffee today at www.alpha.coffee or via Amazon Prime. Welcome to another episode of From the Green Notebook. I'm your host, Joe Byerly, and this week we're diving into the notebooks of producer Andrew Moscato and Hollywood military film advisor, U.S. Army Colonel retired Hans Busch. In this episode, we're talking about the greatest beer run ever, starring Zac Efron, Russell Crowe, and Bill Murray. It's currently available on Apple TV and in theaters, and it's a movie based on the true story of Chickie Donahue's mission to deliver beer to his neighborhood buddies who got drafted to fight in Vietnam. This is a great movie that celebrates the young men who served our country in a war that became wildly unpopular. I got a chance to watch an early screening and absolutely loved it. And I had so much fun interviewing Andrew, who made this project come to life, and Hans, who made sure us military folk could enjoy the movie without pointing out all the inaccuracies. So please welcome to the show the producer of the greatest beer run ever, Andrew Moscato, and military advisor Hans Bush. Hey, Joe. Nice to be with you. Hi, Joe. Good, good to talk with you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to this interview. I, I, I feel like the story of this interview for me is, is uh, kind of one of the themes of, of this movie. Um, it, and uh, I was sitting on the couch probably like a month and a half ago just seeing what was uh, some of the trailers that were on coming up on TV and I, I watched the trailer for The Greatest Beer Run Ever, and I called my wife into the room, and I was like, I've got to interview the people behind this movie. And she's like, it's, that's not going to happen. And uh, I made a couple of emails, and, and then next thing you know, uh, we're here. And I, I'm super stoked to be talking with both of you. Well, and the feeling's mutual, Joe. I mean, this for me, this was a long time coming. I, I produced the film uh, with uh, the partners at Skydance. Uh, and, you know, for me, this has been a project uh, eight years in the making. So to, to have the opportunity to, to share the film with folks such as yourself and talk about it is, is an absolute pleasure and an honor. Yeah, let's, let, let's talk about that for a minute. So, but, you know, before we talk about kind of what drew you to the project, Andrew, could you 
um, just you know, for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the trailer or the movie or even your documentary, uh, just tell the story of, of who Chicky Donahue is and what he did. Yeah, so the greatest beer on ever is the true story of a of guy named Chicky Donahue. He was a merchant mariner from uh, Inwood, which is a neighborhood in Upper Manhattan. Uh, and so in the 1967, he volunteered to bring beer to all of his friends that were serving in Vietnam, uh, you know, young men from his neighborhood. Uh, at that point in 1967, I, I believe that Inwood um, had lost six six young men uh, in fighting in Vietnam. So, you know, the, the, the sacrifices the neighborhood had made were, were great and the emotions were high. And, you know, Chickie took it upon himself to to travel halfway around the world to, to let the guys serving from Inwood over in Vietnam know that they, you know, everybody was still thinking about them and, and supporting them. And um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing tale of friendship. Um, and uh, I think it's, it's a story that really transcends, you know, the, the time in which it takes place and, and the neighborhood. I mean, it's, it's there's so many great universal themes to it. So again, I'm just glad that we got this movie made. Yeah. How, how did you hear about it? Like, how'd you hear about the, the, the story originally? Yeah, so uh, a friend of mine, Joanna Malloy, uh, was a longtime uh, New York City newspaper reporter. And uh, she was, you know, we were having coffee one day and, and she was telling me this story because it was a story she had heard at the um, at the bar that her and her colleagues at the New York Daily News used to hang out at. And the bartender would tell them the story about Chickie Donahue. And so when Joanna left the newspaper, the New York Daily News, she uh, wanted to write a book about it. And she was telling me how Chicky was still alive and his buddies he brought beer to were still alive. And they all had photographs to prove that it happened. Chicky had his passport from Saigon. And my immediate reaction was that sounds like a movie. So Joanna wrote a book, uh, wrote the book with Chicky called The Greatest Beer on Ever. Uh, I made a short documentary reuniting Chicky and his buddies uh, back in 2015 and between the book and the short documentary, that kind of served as a proof of concept for a feature film that was ultimately made with Peter Farrelly uh, writing and directing it. Yeah. And, and for listeners, I'll include a link to the documentary. I think it's like a little bit less than 13 minutes long. Um, it, it is moving um, and, and it is awesome. And as somebody that's, uh, that's serving today, you can, you can relate uh, to the uh, to the veterans that uh, that Andrew features in the documentary. Well, I, I, and I appreciate you saying that, Joe, because uh, you know it's certainly I think this movie is a love letter to the veterans who served in Vietnam. Uh, you know, my, I'm 36. I think my generation uh, it was ingrained, uh, you know, the saying "Thank you for your service" and, and separating the warrior from the politics of a particular war. And I, that's wonderful. And, and sadly, though, I think our country learned that, um, you know, too late after Vietnam. So while these veterans are still around, they certainly deserve our, our respect and our recognition. Uh, but at the same time, I think there's so many th themes to the story that resonate with uh, veterans who served in Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, people who are serving today. So, so, yeah, again, I think, I think it's a story that, that everybody should appreciate. Yeah, and, and, and Hans, as, as you were advising on this movie, I mean, did did it bring back memories, you know, uh, for you of, of Iraq and Afghanistan as you worked with uh, worked with the actors and uh, you know in, on some of these scenes? Uh, well, yeah, yes, it did. In fact, uh, there was a couple moments that were that were uh, especially powerful for me, and and Peter and I walked off set quietly one day. And we talked through that 
And uh, as a result, he he took that into consideration how he chose to shoot the next scene. And uh, it was very touching. It, it made me feel really listened to and appreciated. And uh, and I really, really enjoyed working with Peter and Andrew and all those guys. It was it was a great experience. Yeah. And in, in, in Andrew, I mean, I, I, I'm just curious, did I guess did, you know, working on the, the documentary uh, years ago and, and, you know, the, the movie this time, I mean, did it, I guess, give you any insights into uh, into war, into uh, into the soldier experience? Uh, yeah, I've, I've always had an appreciation for those who served our country, you know, just growing up, you know, grandparents who served in World War II, uh, an uncle who was in the Navy during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And, you know, he, sadly, he passed away a year before I first heard this story. And, you know, he was of that same generation as Chickie. Uh, and, you know, I, I so I think that was one thing that attracted me to the story is, is he is kind of Chickie reminded me a bit of my uncle. But um, you know, and I had a, I had a cousin who served uh, in Fallujah in Iraq. He was a Marine. Um, so yeah, I, I've, I've always been around it, and I've always had great admiration um, for those who who have answered the call and, and served our country. And you know, these guys from Inwood in particular, uh, you know, the, the song "Fortunate Son" has become almost a cliche in Vietnam War movies. And and if, you know, to that point, we didn't use it in our movie. But but it really does describe these guys from Inwood. They're working class guys. Inwood was a largely immigrant community uh, as it is today. But back then it was mostly Irish immigrants. You know, these guys weren't going to college. They weren't getting deferments. They they weren't uh, you know, they didn't have wealthy dads to put them in the National Guard. You know, these guys saw combat and they they were drafted. They they answered the call from their country and. And many of them sacrificed their lives. Um, and uh, again, I think they, while they're still with us, they they deserve our our gratitude and, and our respect. So, you know, I, as I've gotten to know them more personally, uh, it's only I've, my respect and appreciation for them has only grown more. Um, and I think, and and also, um, you know, speaking to Han's involvement, I, I think it was very important because I think this film uh, first and foremost is, is been made is made for our veteran community. It was important to Peter Farrelly, the director and, and myself and the other producers that somebody who has military background watches this, this movie and uh, isn't taken out of it by some small detail or, or inaccuracy. That's just kind of a sloppy mistake that could have easily been fixed. So, so having Hans on set with us, uh, was very important, and and it was just this great reassurance that the that that level of authenticity that we would capture that soldier experience because you know I I, I have not served Peter Fairley didn't serve and so having somebody like Hans who was just that kind of you know those eagle eyes on set making sure uh, everything kind of rang true from a soldier's perspective you know it was of utmost importance to us and and so we're very grateful for for Hans being there with us. Yeah, it's it's funny, you know. I know one of the movies that Hans worked on was 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 the Godzilla movie, and it it could be the most like outlandish science fiction type movie, um, but soldiers will will point out inaccuracies in it, like we're uh, we're scorekeepers. So so was that was that uh, you know how did how did that go for you, Hans? Is that uh, you know just advising and, and trying to get everything right? Well, Andrew nailed it right on the head. You can you can have the the, the most well written story with the most compelling characters and fantastic effects and sets and and you know 
a really well resourced with tier one talent across all the departments of the production. But if you overlook getting the small things right when it comes to military characters, it just derails the story. It ruins the canvas for the artist to paint on. I mean, it's just, and it, and it, and it really shows when it doesn't happen. And it's unfortunate. Now, with that said, I've been very fortunate. Uh, thanks to Harry Humphreys and Catherine, they, they get me the book. And uh, our relationship goes back to Lone Survivor, where I was the active duty advisor. And that's how I met Harry and got into this after I retired. I'd been in the Army for 30 years as a, as a special forces guy. And, uh, but I'd always loved movies. And this, this was just a fantastic fit. And it's so great to work with such talented, passionate people. Yeah, and I'll say you know I just I just watched the movie uh, yesterday, and um, you know one of the things that it's not the typical caricatures of uh, of military you know military people that you see in a lot of Hollywood movies, and so uh, t- to both of y'all and to to Peter, I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it was it was like people that we served with, um, you know, in in uh, you know in, in our most recent wars. I appreciate you saying that, Joe, because I, I think that was something that was very intentional going in is that, you know, the, the Vietnam era had never really gotten the Band of Brothers treatment. Uh, and I think, again, that had more to do with the politics of the Vietnam War than the soldiers themselves. Um, you know, again, these were guys who, you know, willingly and dutifully served their country. And, you know, they're just young men who were plucked from their neighborhood and sent to the other side of the world. And, you know, uh, so and that's how we wanted to pick them in this movie, as they're just young American men serving their country. And uh, and yeah, so I, I appreciate you, you picking up on that, because because, again, I think that's it, there's been, you know, the, the Vietnam War movies are kind of a genre unto themselves. And, and I think many of them uh, for various reasons back in the 80s when they were made kind of there's this, this cynicism uh, that that comes with the depiction of the Vietnam soldier and. You know, uh, that was just something that we wanted to get away from and, and just, again, to just depict these guys as they were. They're just young men serving their country. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's such an important point. And, um, you know, th- you're absolutely right. These aren't like the the standard sergeant or the private that acts a certain way or, or even, you know, the officers. I mean, well, yeah, there were some officers that act like officers in there. But, uh, that, that, but that, uh, you know... Th- there, there are people who represent normal people from America, just like all of us are in the military uh, today. And so, but, you know, we find our, us serving today, you know, in, in some of these past wars have found, found ourselves in extraordinary conditions. And so, I, again, I just want to say thank you to both of you um, for, for capturing that in this movie. Sorry, just to dovetail onto that, um, we went into this very deliberately. To, to respect the idea that this is a period piece of 60-year-ago uh, culture and soldiers and equipment and uniforms, that is a true story. And I, I, I truly appreciated the intensity from every department, from art to sets to wardrobe to special effects and to the weapons guys at how serious everyone went to school on every bit of that. And we had, we had a lot of very detailed coordination to make sure that we were faithful to 
1967 American Army. Yeah, and then I've been very, very fortunate to to share the film ahead of its release with with uh, various people who served in Vietnam, and, and it's it's certainly a credit to to Hans's supervision on the film that that we've been getting a lot of compliments that from Vietnam veterans who who say the movie rings true and authentic to them down to the the weaponry um, and you know just those those little details that. That again, if that if, if if one little thing takes you out of it, uh, it totally kills the legitimacy of the movie. So, um, so yeah, we were very again very grateful to to kind of have uh, Hans's presence uh, on set with us. Yeah, and could you talk a little bit about the reception you got at the Toronto Film Festival? Yeah, we were very lucky that we brought um, you know Chicky. Uh, Tom Collins, Rick Dugan, Kevin McLoon, and Bob Pappas, his, the buddies that he he delivered beer to in Vietnam, were are all still alive and and you know uh, came to the movie's premiere at the Toronto Film Festival. That was spectacular. I mean, we were in a in an auditorium that seats two thousand, massive screen, uh, and at the end of the film, uh, the the uh, the house lights actually a spotlight was shown on the veterans and they announced them by name. They stood up and got a standing ovation. Uh, so, uh, again, I, I was pleased to hear kind of laughter and people enjoy the movie, but, but even more, more pleased to see that these guys got the, the, um, you know, the standing ovation they deserve, not, not, not necessarily for their participation in the movie, but just for, for their act of service to our country, uh, and, and putting their lives on the line. So, so that was a beautiful moment. And, you know, this whole journey, like I said, it goes back uh, eight years since I first heard about it. And and when we did the short documentary, I mean, it, it's easy because so much has happened since it's easy to kind of gloss over these little moments. But just getting uh, <clears throat> getting these guys to participate in the documentary itself was difficult because, um, you know, a, a few of the guys uh, experienced combat, uh, you know, suffered the PTSD that comes along with it. And again, they were, they served in an era where we weren't necessarily as, as cognizant of, you know, mental health, uh, issues as we are today. And, and so it was a, it was a moment in their histories that they really weren't keen on talking about. And, um, it's amazing. I mean, one of them, Bob Pappas, uh, who was stationed at Long Bin and was there during the Tet Offensive when the ammo dump was was attacked. And, and um, you know, uh, he, he's he's done Bob's done some interviews since to promote the movie and, and kind of has spoken about that experience. But eight years ago, when I first reached out to him, he was not somebody that was, you know, uh, keen to revisit that. And and so I'm just pleased that this whole project has, um, you know, uh, brought some sort of, it seems like some sort of sense of closure to that chapter in their lives, or, or it's certainly put, put a bow on it that, that, that didn't exist beforehand. So, um, you know, it's been wonderful. Apple has, has treated them, uh, like the, the, the heroes that they are. And, um, and yeah, and just so, you know, just seeing them get the recognition they deserve has been, been an absolute thrill for me. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And so I, you know, I, I know you've done a lot of documentaries and I actually want to talk a little bit about some of the other ones that, that you've done and what you've learned from them. But like, what have you learned about the veteran community? Cause I get, you know, now you've, <laughs> now you've been hanging out with us for the last eight years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just curious, you know, what, uh, what you've gleaned from that. Uh, really stand up people. Uh, I mean, I, anybody who kind of answers that call to service, 
uh, I think th- th- that right there, I think, is is a sign of 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 just a, a great citizen. And um, no, I, I, I at the same time, I think there is, um, you know, it is a very unique experience, clearly, that anybody like myself who hasn't been through it can't fully relate to. And so I, I'm always appreciate, uh, appreciative of when uh, combat veterans in particular kind of allow me to hear their stories and talk to them because, um, yeah, not people who are outsiders don't always fully get it or appreciate it. And, and so much of, you know, storytelling, whether it is documentaries, uh, certainly in narrative filmmaking too, uh, you know, there's a lot of trust uh, required. And, uh, and so I'm always grateful when somebody trusts me with their story, um, like, like, uh, you know, Rick and Tom and Bob and Chicky and, and Kevin did. Um, so no, I, I've I've always um, been very grateful for for kind of everybody in the veteran community that, that I've worked with, and there's projects coming up too that um, uh, that hopefully I'll make that that uh, with guys who've who've recently served. Um, but no, I'm always always in just you know full admiration for them. Yeah, and, and you know Hans, as we um, you know I, I've interviewed a lot of folks who've um, you know or a handful of folks that have gotten out of the military. Um, after spending careers, you know, as, as long as you were in, like General McChrystal, General Miller, and uh, you know, one of the things that we, we kind of talk about is like what happens uh, life after Shawshank, um, after after you come out of this uh, this lifestyle. I mean, how how have you transitioned from um, active duty service to to what you're doing now? I would. Uh... Well, I heard you mention General McChrystal. He and I actually served together in the same task force uh, for a period of time. Uh, and I truly enjoyed that experience. He was a fantastic commander. Uh, the transition was, um, it was a little easier for me and my generation. Because I had been in 30 years and because I had been with special forces, where you you don't have young guys, you don't have privates. and we did 15 years of, of more subtle operations around the world that were still important, but not that well known. And then 9-11 happened. And then we did 15 years of Iraq and Afghanistan. But towards the, in 2008 or nine, the commander of Special Operations Command uh, assigned me to be the active duty advisor for Peter Berg and Lone Survivor. That was where the transition began. That's awesome, and that's and it, it's so cool. I've looked at your, I've looked at, uh, you know, your, your filmography, and it's 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 impressive so far. It's I've been blessed, and and I've I've been presented with some of the most fantastic, talented folks in the business on really um, substantial movies, and I, yeah. and I and I work with everybody and i meet young folks on cast and crew and hearing their stories just makes me doubly grateful at 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 what a what a forgiving launch pad that i've enjoyed compared to some of the tremendous effort these folks have taken to get broke into the business it, it's not lost on me. yeah and Andrew, again, like as I prepared for this interview, I, I started going back through all of your stuff. And uh, it's you've, uh, an impressive body of work. I, I'm curious, you know, a lot of the stuff you've done is, is documentaries. And so 
what uh what is that kind of what have you learned about I'm a huge reader and so uh, mm. I, I read a lot and so I, I feel like I'm you know gaining some like overarching themes of, of human nature and uh, I was curious have you been kind of picking up the same as the documentaries you've done? Yeah, well, I think I've always been interested in in um, you know characters who uh, you know outsized personalities or or you know, people who kind of push the status quo. So, you know, I started out uh, doing a lot of work uh, in the sports space. Uh, the first documentary I did was about Bobby Valentine, the former baseball manager. He was this uh, folk hero in Japan. You know, they had named streets after him, built statues to him uh, when he was managing a team over there in 2007. And, you know, I've, I've uh, made, made several sports documentaries after that. And, and you know, and, and sports are kind of a great, yeah, I mean, that space has only blown up over the last decade as far as, you know, 30 for 30 and all that stuff, because, you know, you have people, uh, you very disciplined athletes are very disciplined people who take immense pride uh, in their craft. And and there's always a winner and loser. Right. Uh, and so I think that, you know, now when you're dealing with a subject that takes place in a in a, um, you know, in the backdrop of, of war, or the military, you're, you're again dealing with very disciplined people. You're, you know, it's it's kind of a zero sum winner or loser type story. Um, so there, there's some overlap, but but I also think you you hit it on the head too. I think one the power of storytelling, particularly what I what I like now about the narrative filmmaking and and fiction here based on true story is is showing ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And that that's exactly, I mean, I think what attracted me to the greatest beer and ever story in Chicky Donahue is here's an ordinary guy from his neighborhood who actually did the extraordinary and managed to find his way through Vietnam uh, and, and actually find his, his buddies and give him a beer. Um, and the fact that you can recreate that and go back in time uh, is, is what makes movies so special. And, and to kind of bring up a point that Hans made earlier uh, you know, Hans was, in, you know, indispensable because, like he said, we're, we're telling a, mo- a story set 50 years ago. And so there was a lot of things, you know, from a military aspect or, you know, when we're looking through that prism of 50 years ago, Hans would say, well, you know, they wouldn't necessarily say this or do this today, but this is how it was done back then. And and knowing that kind of nuance of the evolution of uh, of, of certain aspects of military life is important. And, and certainly for people who are the, you know, the layman such as myself or Peter Farrelly, uh, you know, who, who aren't familiar with that nuance. Uh, it was very helpful kind of having that, that, you know, historian and, you know, historical and lived perspective that, that kind of Hans brought to it. Yeah. And, and Hans, were there, is there like a moment during the, the filming of the movie that kind of stood out to you? That was like one of the, one of the ones that you'll tell over beer, uh, you know, five, 10, 15 years from now. Well, at the at the risk of presenting spoilers, and I don't want to do that, but I believe this was already in a trailer somewhere. I met the most incredible guy who's a former British paratrooper. He's in his 80s. He's been doing practical effects in movies for over 40 years, and he's worked with the biggest names. His name is Alan Whitley, and he's an expat living in Thailand. He was the one, if you saw the original Rambo movies, he's the guy that created the explosions for the arrows yeah. that blew up. When, he's that guy. <laughs> and, 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 and just the opportunity to spend time with him and have him share his stories, was it was, it was, it was just a true pleasure. 
and uh, and and we've stayed good friends. Uh, we we chat every week now on WhatsApp. But uh, working with Peter was was just phenomenal. Actually, everybody, uh, you know, Brian, Pete, Andrew, it the whole Green Book crew of of award winning champions. You couldn't have asked for a, a greater cadre to lead this ship. It was just, it was really, really great. And and Thailand was wonderful. And the people were wonderful. And we got the jungle right. And and I know that from firsthand experience. We got the jungle right. And I feel like, Hans, you can give some spoilers, because I imagine everybody listening will have seen this the day it opens on uh, September 30th. So, uh, every you know... Okay, I just don't want to go to Apple jail. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that uh, you know uh, Peter's movie, the the Green Book, and I want to thank him uh, because you know my my blog and the podcast is from the Green Notebook. Uh, so when that movie came out, my uh, stats went through the roof um, yeah, for a little true. while. It's people accidentally clicking on my my website, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, yeah, if, 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 yeah. If there's some, if there's another moment you want to. You want to talk about Hans or talk about something specific? Uh, yeah, I, I, I guarantee you that people are going to watch this movie and love it. Well, uh, the scene I had mentioned earlier in the interview had to do with the uh, the dignified return of remains of soldiers on the on the airplane yeah. in the in the flag covered uh, cases. Uh, we we poured our heart out into that scene and. And Peter picked up on it. And there was a couple of nuances that the way it was originally in the script were. Uh, they they were they were just a, a little they were hurting a little bit the way we were going to do it originally. And Peter and I had a heart to heart and he totally embraced it. And it just it perfectly hit the note this time, because as a veteran, you know, and. One of the things we don't want to see is is marketing of our guys that have paid the ultimate sacrifice for some other purpose. And that didn't happen here. And I'm so appreciative of that. It, it's it it's it's a it, it's just a heartwarming project. Yeah, yeah. Like I, it it was a, it was a, a there it was a funny movie, uh but but at the same time I think, you know, the it it's not only about a uh, a guy from a neighborhood bringing beer to his friends but it's about somebody coming to the realization of the complex of the complexities of war and that uh not everything's black and white good and bad and uh i think that for me uh andrew i think that that really hit home as as uh as i was watching it Oh, I, I, yeah, no, I, I appreciate you saying that because uh, that's music to my ears because that, that is that is ultimately the point of telling the story, um, you know, and it is also about finding finding, um, you know, truth, you know, kind of agreeing on, uh, you know, finding the truth that, that can kind of bring us back to this this kind of middle ground that we've that we've lost, I think, in our society in general today. So I think there's kind of parallels you know, in that respect too. But, uh, you know, even Chicky in the movie says the beer is not the point. Uh, the point is showing the guys that there's somebody back home that, that still gives a shit. So, uh, yeah. So anybody who's hung up on, on the, you know, the, the, uh, the specific, the beer is kind of missing the bigger point of the story. 
Yeah, yeah. No, it was it, like I said. I I, I thoroughly enjoyed um, the movie, and uh, I like. I'm so excited to be able to share this with with my audience. Um, and, and I appreciate both of y'all making making time for this because I've watched all the the other interviews um, that, that you know you've been doing as as part of the the promotion for this movie, and I I, I can't thank both of you enough for for carving. 45 minutes of your, your schedule out for, uh, for this audience. No, uh, no, I, I appreciate it. And, and as I've said before, and I, you know, I can't say enough, I, I think first and foremost, this movie was made for the military community and, and making sure that it, it, it rang true for them because like, like the gesture of bringing beer, this, this movie ultimately is, is a thank you to those who served this country. And, and so to be able to also do this interview with Hans, because uh, again, without Hans, you don't have that. The, and, and Harry Humphreys too, who was advising us, uh, you know, remotely. You, you you just you know you lose that that authenticity. And when it was something that you know across the board too, we had uh, an incredible team of historical consultants to advise us on the Vietnamese standpoint. We had a husband and wife team who were actual journalists uh, covering the war in Saigon. Uh, they were refugees after after the uh, the country fell and uh, now live in Houston. But they they lived it. They went to the Caravelle Hotel, which is depicted in the movie. Uh, I mean, they they were covering the war on the front lines. So so to have their personal perspective was enormous. We also had uh, Leanne Hang Wen, who's a, a professor, history professor up at Columbia University. I mean, she's regarded as the world's foremost authority on the Tet Offensive, and she was uh, a big part of the Ken Burns documentary uh, on the Vietnam War. So, I mean, having that historian's perspective was great. So, and, and then also our costume designer, uh, Bao Tran Shi, who also was, uh, was born in Vietnam, but was a refugee as a child and grew up in Southern California, you know, having her uh, her perspective, uh, you know, it was yeah, everything from having native Vietnamese speakers in all the Vietnamese roles. I mean, we, you know, this was a this, it was very important for us again for this to be a movie that everybody could could appreciate and enjoy, and not uh, you know not hit any false notes that that uh, that would take you out of it. Um, so uh, you know, and 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 like you said too, Joe. I mean, it's it's. Uh, there's funny moments for sure. Uh, there's also, you know, some some more serious moments, as, as Han had mentioned. Uh, Hans had mentioned. I, I, and, and to me, I'm proud of it that it is. It, it's the type of movie that Hollywood used to be very good at making, but has kind of gotten away from over the last, you know, 15, 20 years. In that, you laugh, you cry. There's some. There's some action. You know, there's some drama. There's some comedy. There's a little bit of everything. And it's not it's just life. a movie for two hours. Yeah, it, it's representative of life. And you, you mentioned something, Andrew, that I want to also highlight uh, that, that kind of stood out to me as well, is uh, is Russell Crowe's character, Coates. Um, you know, we, we have a very, like, you know, when we, uh, you know, when, when the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq both both kind of winded down, specifically Afghanistan, um, you know, there, there was a lot of, of military veterans struggling but the other group of people who were also struggling were our war correspondents, uh, who who were so close to us and and so close to, um, you know, covering that conflict. Um, that did I, I appreciated that that character as part of the movie as well. 
Thank you. No, I, I appreciate you saying that. And, and in the film too, we acknowledge that, you know, journalists are on the front lines and, and sadly they, they are, are among the casualties of, of war uh, at, at times. So, you know, I'm actually curious and I, you know, I found that too in, 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 in talking with friends who were in Afghanistan, there does, there, there's some very close friendships and bonds between them and the, the journalists who are embedded with them. But, but that actually is a question that I'm, I'm curious to pass off to Hans because you know, Hans also kind of was public facing for the army and dealt a lot with journalists in his military career. So, you know, I, I, I've never asked Hans this. So I, I am curious to get your reaction too about the, that, that aspect of the movie and the, um, you know, the, the acknowledgement of the, the journalist's presence and role in all of this. Well, the, uh, the Coates character was a real guy. Uh, I did some research on him and, uh, one of the things that stands out is a beautiful black and white photo of him jumping out of an airplane with a parachute and holding, a, you know, a, a wet film old style camera back up, taking a picture of the guy, taking wow. a picture of him out of the door. And he was that guy. Wow. Uh, and, and I and I think that Russell nailed it. I mean, he he captured that. That adventure guy willing to take risks but think your way through it kind of guy and and it was it was great fun to be around uh to the second part yeah my functional area was to work with media from time to time uh and and most often that was embeds in combat and to this day i stay friends with the good ones um and most of them are but just like us there's a few that aren't that great that were just kind of chasing a byline but uh you know the 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 dave martins the rich mckenzie's the uh, I, I mean the list the list goes on and marie coven who i don't know if you're familiar with her story but she's she was a huge war correspondent I had mad respect for her she ended up uh killed in an ambush in uh in syria not long ago uh I have great respect for those that step into harm's way with us to hold up a shield of truth about what we're doing. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I do appreciate that. I don't appreciate everything that ends up coming out, but I do appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's, uh, again, this, the movie was excellent. Uh, Andrew, I, I think you said it well, like it covers every emotion, just like life, just like war. Um, so I, I'm excited, uh, to get, you know, to, to, to promote it alongside of you. And again, I know, uh, our time's winding short here, but I just appreciate both of you, uh, taking time out and, uh, you know, as somebody who's currently still serving, uh, Andrew, you know, you're, you're an ally to our community, man. So, uh, so, so again, thanks for, thanks for fighting to uh to get this movie made um i know it's been a long i'm not you know a lot long but uh it's been a hard you know hard work for eight years and then hans you know thank you for for uh for allowing us to enjoy it so we're not nitpicking every <laughs> every little thing that we see like we would if we were watching uh you know a space movie or whatever yeah i'll echo that thing as well my goal is to make sure that every veteran that watches this doesn't have to get elbowed in the ribs by his wife saying Oh, would you be quiet and just watch the movie? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's that's my real goal here. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. And, and yeah, no, thank you, Hans, because I mean, so far in the conversations I've had, it seems like, um, you know, we, we dotted the I's and crossed the T's and, and that, that would not be possible without, without your, your help and guidance. So, so thank you. And, um, well, and, th- and thank well, you, Joe, for helping us get the word out. Cause again, I, I do, you know, going back to that, that the original short doc, you know, is I'm always, I was always very, um, you know, um, just appreciative of the response it got, not only from the Vietnam veteran community, but uh, you know, you know, active servicemen and women, and 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 folks who'd served in Iraq and Afghanistan. That it, that it, 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 the message kind of rang true with them as well, and and so I hope that continues to be the case, and I believe it is the case too with with this movie, you know, with the movie version, the Greatest Bureau Ever. Uh, so so this is this is a movie that I really hope the military community watches with their family and, and enjoys, um, because, because we made it largely for them. So, so, um, yeah, thanks for getting the word out. And again, thank you both for your time, uh, this evening. It's, it's this evening for me. I'm, I'm here in Germany and, uh, and, and look forward to, uh, your, your future projects. Um, Andrew. Absolutely. No, thank, thank you, Joe. And, and, uh, you know, and, and again, very grateful for, for, you know, people trust me and sharing, sharing their stories with me. So, so hopefully I look forward to telling more stories in the future. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, and Hans again, thanks for, uh, thanks for your time. Thank you, Joe. I, I enjoyed talking about a good project. This was definitely a good project. This is awesome. I'm super excited about it. Um, no, no, again, and then like I, I, I can't say it enough. Like the fact that it, 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 it that guys like yourself, got get excited by the trailer and then and then aren't disappointed by the movie and like the movie even more like that's music to my ears so so very very glad to hear that i i have a buddy who uh we're doing a screening here in new york tomorrow so i have a buddy who um west point grad who served in afghanistan uh he's coming uh tomorrow so i'm i'm uh, he hasn't seen it before so i'm excited for for him to finally get to see it so uh yeah, no, it's just been great sharing it with the with the military community. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thank you again for listening to another episode of From the Green Notebook podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us gain visibility and the opportunity to help more people on their leadership journey. Also, make sure you check out our website at www.fromthegreennotebook.com. There, you can listen to past episodes, read leadership articles written by military leaders from around the world. You can sign up for our monthly reading list email where you can learn about new books that are coming out. And our Sunday reflection email that comes out every Sunday morning is really short. It's a two-minute read, but I guarantee you it's going to start your week off on the right foot. Finally, make sure you follow us on Twitter at FTGNotebook. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for From the Green Notebook. Again, thank you so much for coming on this journey with us. I am humbled by the opportunity to learn these lessons alongside you. So please join us next week for another episode of From the Green Notebook, where we're going to help you lead with the best version of yourself. I came from-